Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Alex, good afternoon, man. Good afternoon. How are you this week? Uh, I'm good. Today's been a little bit hectic, honestly. I haven't really been able to drink any water. I haven't even gotten in any food, even though I trained kind of first thing this morning. And I woke up and trained and then had to go pick up my Jeep from the shop. I just bought a Jeep a couple of years ago, a Jeep Wrangler. Um, and it's only got, it, I bought it with like 30,000 miles on it. Now it's got around 50. So I really haven't even drove it that much over the last couple of years. And I was on the freeway last month with my daughter. We were going to the driving range to hit some golf balls together. And the damn thing just stopped shifting altogether. So I got stuck on the freeway in like second gear going like 25 miles an hour. Um, and so obviously I felt like something was wrong with the transmission. So I had to get that taken in. So I had to go pick that back up today. It needs a new transmission, which pisses me off. Um, and then I've been car shopping at the same time. And so it's been a little bit hectic. I'm just getting settled into the office. So totaled car, it sounds like, since you're getting a whole new car or what? Yeah, it's not totaled. So like I took it into them and they looked at the transmission and um, the dude told me that like it's not completely shot. Like we cleaned everything out and it's good, but eventually you're going to need to get a new transmission. Like it's only a matter of time. So you can do it now or do it later. And so my thought is I'll probably just take it in and um, trade it in. Obviously, I have to be honest with them about that with what's happening and see what happens and go from there. The shitty thing is though, I bought it for cash a couple of years ago. And since I did that, obviously like I'm going to lose a decent amount of money from it. And so now I'm trying to get something else, but I can't really decide what to get. I want a midsize truck. So either like one of the new Chevy or Colorado's or GMC canyons that came out or else like a, a Jeep truck with a diesel engine in it. I've seen those. Those are sick. Are you into to trucks or cars or anything like that really? Or is it like if for just knowing you, I would say that you're probably not. Or am I wrong? Yeah, I was going to say like when you're talking about all this car stuff, like transmission and like this kind of truck and this kind of truck and like these specs and upgrades and wheels, I have absolutely zero idea what's going on. Like I'm the guy who I could go to like Valvoline, like instant oil change. And they'll be like, oh, like here's 2000 bucks for the stuff. Like all this stuff's wrong. And I oh, wouldn't same. even like know, like I wouldn't know where to look to even be like, oh no, like that's good. And the things that they do replace, I typically just kind of like, I mean, I don't go to Valvoline for like replacements, but I just kind of named that shop. But, you know, I could take it to the store, whatever car I have is and have something replaced. And then a year or two later, go back and they're like, oh, this part needs to be replaced. By the time that I actually go back, I'll just have forgotten like what it was that they replaced like a year <laughs> or two ago. Because I just don't, the names don't click and the eyes don't easily remember them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll listen to like car talk, but as far as like knowing what they actually look like, like when you said 
I remember like the Chevy and Chevy diesels, something. Yeah. I was like, I'm sitting there and like all I can think is truck. And then I think <laughs> of like a medium sized truck. I'm like, okay, well, it's not like a huge truck. I know what a truck looks like. Like the and size that's about of it. like a, the size of a Tacoma. Surely you know what a Tacoma looks like. Toyota. Yeah. Tacoma. Yeah. So not like on these other right here. Out here. Smaller than a F-150. Smaller than an F-150. Yeah. All right. That, that's yeah. about as much as I know there the next size down. I'm kind of the same though. Like I'm not like a, a nerd when it comes to vehicles by any means. But my problem is like, I really like vehicles. I like, like driving something that I like, like just makes me feel good. You know what I mean? But I also try to be smart when it comes to, to vehicles and not get myself wrapped into something like with a huge payment, just because they depreciate so fast, right? Like the vehicle is the worst investment that you can make in your entire life. If you're trying to build wealth over time, like you're way better off putting that, all that money that you're putting into it. If you're spending five, seven, $800 per month on a vehicle, well, you're just losing that money because you, that asset you have is depreciating over time, right? Like the Jeep or the car is getting worth less and less. So that money you're putting into it, you're never going to see that money back. It's just a cost. And so for me, it's always been like, I've always really liked vehicles and I've always wanted something like really nice, but I've always tried to be disciplined enough in purchasing something that like, I'm not getting over my head or purchasing something that's going to take away from being able to invest. If that makes sense, because I know that return on the investment is going to be way greater, especially like for my situation, potentially your situation, like you kind of work for yourself, right? You're not getting a W2. You're not really putting anything into retirement in any sort of a way. And so it's kind of all on you to make that happen. And as I get a little bit older, I think about that a lot more is like, how am I setting myself up for retirement? Cause I don't want to be 50 years old, 60 years old and still coaching. You know what I mean? Like ideally mm -hmm. I would like to retire altogether when I'm high forties, low fifties. Like that's when I would like to be essentially done with this process and have things invested in other places. And so, yeah, like I've always been disciplined and not buying like the nicest of the nice but I've always been hosed in regards to ending up with issues with whatever I'm buying. Like I had an old truck that I bought back in the day that the transmission blew out in like 30 days after buying it. I've had a couple other Jeeps that have always had issues. Like I, so just trying to find, like make a smart choice, but also make a choice with whatever I'm going to buy that like, I really like to drive to. Like it makes me feel good when I'm in it. It's hard to find that balance. So I know the car market I guess maybe like last year, maybe the last couple of years was like kind of like the housing market, pretty insane as yeah. far as like prices go and like interest rates and all that. So I guess where are you even like, are prices still like sky high or are they kind of coming down a little bit? Cause I haven't even been yeah. looking. So I don't know. Well, everything, I mean, cars, houses, whatever it is, everything's kind of sky high due to inflation, right? Like groceries, like everything is just more money than it was 10, 20 years ago. Like I remember distinctly, my grandpa used to get a new truck, like a brand new, nice truck every two years. Like he just, he'd buy a brand new one, he'd drive it, then he'd take it um, back and trade it in and get the newer model. And he'd always buy a brand new, like full-size pickup truck for like $40,000, $50,000. And now to buy a brand new full-size pickup truck, if you're going to buy brand new, you're $70,000, $80,000, right? And so all vehicles have 
increase due to inflation as well as everything that went kind of crazy the last few years when COVID happened and like the production systems all kind of closed down for a while and stuff. Um, so it definitely is higher. I don't know though, like specifically if that's just because of the auto market at this point, or if it's just inflation in general, because everything's more expensive. Yeah. I didn't know if it kind of adjusted at all. Like I know during like COVID specifically, like went real high. I didn't yeah, know if it kind it of did. like it's come down, down since a little, then, come down a little for bit. For sure. Yeah. Like you, so not the as car market has come down since then for sure. Cause like when I bought my, and this is kind of like into the weeds, but when I bought my Jeep, um, I had bought it and then COVID kind of happened right after I bought it. And all of a sudden my Jeep was worth more, um, than what I had bought it for during COVID. And like, that's unheard of when it comes to a car, like I could sell it for, I could have sold it for like four or $5,000 more than what I bought it for just because the production line and new cars had stopped due to COVID. And then whatever happened, all the used cars started to become worth a lot more because the demand was still there, but there wasn't um, as much actual product, if that makes sense. And so that's all kind of evened itself out over the last while. Interesting. Well, the more, you know, I'll be excited to kind of see what you end up with yeah, car-wise, truck-wise yeah. and all that. I'll keep the podcast updated and let you guys know. I'm either going to get a Tacoma, a Colorado, or a Jeep truck with a diesel engine in it. I guess we'll see what happens. But how are you, man? How's your how's your week going so far? Everything good? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd kind of categorize it the same as yours. Um, a bit hectic. I don't think necessarily for the same reasons, but just dealing with, and I don't want to say like dealing with, it's not like I'm like sitting there like, oh, like I'm suffering through this, but just a lot of um, complex, just kind of client cases. Sure. Um, something that's been just kind of, I think, popping up more and more and just kind of helping clients find and like navigate that journey. And I can kind of give you an example here. Um, it's one of our group clients and essentially she was at like 1800-ish kind of calories and her goal was to increase muscle definition, but also kind of like body recomp. So kind of like fat loss slash like body recomp. And she's been at it for a solid couple months and has liked the progress she's seen thus far. But it's kind of to the point now to where she's kind of gone through a couple months right around the lower end maintenance range and wants to kind of kick things up a notch. And so we lowered her down a few hundred calories from that lower maintenance range. And week one of the deficit, it was like just all these things kind of started popping up. And so we were kind of going back and forth like a what? little bit. What popped up? Just um, the whole question was basically on day three to four of the deficit, I got so hungry. I overate by 400 calories should I then go and eat 400 calories less yep. the following day? Which it's a very like valid question. Um, lot, and it's, huh? it gets asked a lot. But to me, there was something worth digging a little bit deeper into just based off that. And like if you were to have a client that comes in and it's like week one of like an actual deficit and they were just like, holy crap, my hunger's, you know, sky high on day four. Mm -hmm. You'd kind of be like, like week one, that's not really that normal. 
Yeah. You know, and so essentially instead of just being like, oh yeah, like we can decrease 400 the next day. My question was like, why even is the hunger where it's at in the first place? Like, why are we having these huge dips and like having this, you know, um, high levels of fatigue so early on? I would expect that for someone who's maybe 12, 14 weeks into a deficit, but not just week one. And so what I did, and I kind of do this with, I end up having to do a majority of clients, but I take them through more questions instead yeah. of just being like, Hey, we can do this. It's like, well, let's take a step back. Like one, why do you feel the hunger was there in the first place? Like, is this something that you struggled with in the past? You know, is this something like you've dealt with? And then we kind of get into like, well, yes, it actually has come up in the past. You know, I've tried cutting down low, but every time I try to cut, I just get this like irresistible urge to crave, you know, my, yeah. or not to crave, but, but to eat. And my cravings, you know, get really high. And so then I kind of asked her and I take her through um, kind of like a biofeedback questionnaire that's a little bit more in depth. Because when I ask someone, how's your sleep? How's your hunger? Uh, how's your energy, digestion, stress, stuff like that. People don't really always know what good digestion looks like, what good energy looks like. And so oftentimes clients won't bring this up on their end unless they're specifically asked. So I took her through some um, questionnaires kind of on like the gut blood sugar balance, like thyroid, you know, have you dealt with this? Have you dealt with that? So after basically going through a few messages back and forth, it comes out that previously she's been diagnosed with hypothyroidism and she got a thyroid quote, like supplement. And so to me, it's like, is that actual like thyroid medication or is it just like a thyro drive, you know, boost, just kind of like an actual like supplement? But also at the same time, she's dealing with PCOS. And so neither of these things did I know like prior to the conversation. Yeah. And so now from here, knowing that she has PCOS, knowing that she was, you know, hypothyroid, one, I want to know like what type of thyroid medication like is she on? But most importantly, the fact that she mentioned things like really high sugar cravings, um, high levels of fatigue, even just when she does sleep. I mean, she sleeps seven, eight out, seven to eight hours a night. So she's fatigued, has high sugar cravings, just kind of has these like highs and lows and like energy um, recovery in the gym, you know, isn't the greatest. And so you kind of put these pieces together and you start to kind of understand, yes, a deficit is very, very possible at this time. But if you are dealing with all these kind of like underlying issues in biofeedback, is it really going to serve you well by taking the calories lower? Yeah. Because the whole kind of end question was one, like, should I lower tomorrow's calories to end up here? And then, you know, in the long run, would it maybe be, maybe be beneficial to do a steeper deficit for a shorter period of time. And like, that was her question to me. And again, I kind of asked the question back, if we're in week one of the deficit and these issues are already showing up, if these issues are already present, how do you think you're going to do when the calories get down to like 
1200 like Chaz, you're going through an, an aggressive deficit. You know how difficult it can be. If you're struggling with a moderate deficit, an aggressive deficit is not going to help your fatigue. It's not going to help your brain fog. It's not going to help your ability to focus. And so now what could have been a very simple answer of like, yes, that's calorie cycle, all is good. Now I know she's dealing with brain fog, fatigue, issues with blood sugar regulation. She has PCOS. She's on a thyroid sup. And it's not like I'm going to go and adjust all those things. But it's very helpful on my end to know that. And on her end to understand, hey, this isn't a physical you issue. You are not the broken one. The fact that you have these cravings, it's not you. It's like your own hormones within your body, your own blood sugar regulation and like that's what's causing this to manifest. And so now it goes from like, oh, I can actually work on these things. So in the future, I don't have to be battling through a deficit. I can just go through a deficit. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people miss that, right? Like if you are dealing with extreme hunger in the very first week of starting a deficit, if you've already taken some dedicated time up at a maintenance, like she has, that's not normal, right? There's a few different areas that need to be looked at. And that's honestly where Alex specializes with ladies is being able, being able to dive deeper kind of into that functional health realm and be able to understand underlying issues. Like when you say that to me, I'm not specialized in all of that, right? Like I'm not super educated in like the nitty gritty details of like hormones and the different effects that that kind of stuff can have. If I'm ever working with a client, that issue, I'll ask Alex a lot of the time about that in regards to the people that I'm working with to make sure that we're giving them qualified information. Cause he's gone through so much, so many certifications and still does to this day, continue is it continuing his education on deeper functional health in regards to to females with hormones and, and whatnot. And so it's always super useful to be able to have you to dive into that kind of stuff. Like it, from my perspective, if somebody comes in and they're dealing with extreme hunger in that first week, um, like typically what I'll do is take a look at food logs first and foremost, right? Like, okay, what does your foods look like? Like, are you eating just like little random, like tiny meals with small amounts of calories throughout the day? Are you eating less meals and like trying to fast to be able to get an understanding of like what your food consumption looks like first? That looks like it's in a really good position. Then you'll dive into those deeper questions with that kind of stuff. Like, are you on medications? Have you been diagnosed with any hormonal issues in the past? And for most clients that we work with, we're already getting that information, obviously, when they sign up with us as at the start, but with inside of our group coaching, which is um, a little bit less one-to-one or as intimate with all the details. We more lay out the structure for the ladies, get all their information, set up where we're going to start caloric wise, set them up with their training programs, understand what their goals are and individualize everything specifically to that. And then we hold a bi-weekly check-in with them um, inside of our group to where we're seeing how their body's responding and helping them make those adjustments. And so the group isn't quite as personalized. It's obviously a, a much cheaper option and more for ladies who have some experience in regards to training and nutrition are looking to come in and just be guided in the right direction to be able to achieve their goals, have the correct training to be able to do it, have their nutrition on point with that, being held accountable to that somewhat, and then us seeing monitoring their progress and adjusting particularly. So that's why you didn't necessarily have all the deep, dark information on her past. If she was one-to-one -one client, you would have that right from the gate. But in the, the group setting, it's a little bit different than that. But um, no, I think that that's super, 
super helpful. And for anybody out there, like if you ever try to go into a deficit right out of the gate and you're dealing with extreme hunger right from the start, like from your perspective, Alex, where, where are you looking at with that? Like, let's say that somebody hasn't been diagnosed with PCOS or doesn't have hypothyroid. Like they're just somebody that struggles to be in a deficit. I have a client that's struggling with this right now as well. She doesn't have any hormonal issues, but like when she thinks about going into a deficit, it causes her extreme cravings and like this restricted type of mindset that like makes her feel locked in a cage that she just wants to jump out of. Um, and so like, if you have somebody in that particular situation, where, what are you looking towards at first? And like, what, where are you trying to navigate them to in order to be able to actually be successful with that? So when I'm looking or hearing about a situation like that, very similar, similarly to you, like my first instinct is to always like look and see like what is the actual client eating. So like for the clients I have the food logs, I can go in, I can log and I can see their, what they're actually eating, like the protein, the fiber, the calories, and I can see basically how they're putting their meals together. And alongside that, Again, I'm always asking deeper questions. So if your hunger sky high when you've first started a deficit, one thing that almost immediately tells me is you haven't spent enough time at maintenance or at like a high enough amount of calories. Like yeah. maybe your weight has been maintaining, but if you've been pl playing this game for five, 10 years of you're in a deficit one week, you gain weight the next week, you die for two weeks, and it's this whole roller coaster of up and downs. Going through that process alone, like still is stressful on the body. And that and the mind. Mind, mm -hmm, I'll say like the mind fatigue, like that still does build up. And so if you're in that position, you're like, man, like I'm just starving week one of the deficit. Ask yourself, like, have you actually spent time? not trying to diet even if you haven't successfully dieted that mind fatigue play you know plays a big role and beyond just looking at the food logs looking at um looking at the food logs looking at the i'm having a brain fart here what we just talked about the like the the yo-yoing in the past yeah, looking yeah. at how long yeah, you've the been yo -yo roller coaster Beyond that, I'll then kind of look into just other kind of like what, what what other kind of symptoms, you know, are you feeling? Are you sleeping well? Because we know that a lack of sleep can drive hunger levels way higher the next day. And there's research to show how much higher the cravings get, you know, how much worse, you know, fat loss is when you're sleeping less than like six hours a night. Mm -hmm. Um you know, we can look into energy yeah. levels. Yeah, hydration. Can, mm, hydration. I mean, there's all this comes down. And I did, I did a post on this a couple of days ago. Like everything comes down to the basics. Like everything that's kind of going on can typically come back to underlying issues with like sleep, hunger, recovery, energy, digestion, and stress. Like that's my most famous thing. It's just like, going through that and like i probably bring it up like every single podcast that we do but everything comes in and ties back into that so even when i mentioned the pcos and the thyroid earlier like it still comes down to monitoring that biofeedback 
it still comes down to nutrition and lifestyle management. And so in the end, like if that's an issue, it's likely one of those things. Or I would even go like, are you almost having this placebo effect in your own mind? Like you're trying to cut too much out. You're telling yourself, like, I have to be hungry to lose weight. And like that alone can also have an effect on how hung how hungry you are. If you expect to be hungry, if you're telling yourself like this is going to suck, it probably is going to suck. And there's not a whole lot that you can kind of, you know, you're just putting yourself in a bad spot from the very start if you're freaking yourself out like that. Yeah, that's that's the one that I seem to run into with the vast majority is either they've been in deficits in the past and they've been so extreme with those deficits where they're eating 12, 13, 1400 calories, which is, can be well below a maintenance level, six, seven, eight, 900 calories below a maintenance. And it feels so restrictive that it's almost kind of like a trauma for you to try to go back into a deficit because all of those old feelings that you've had in the past, if you've been through a, a, an extreme deficit that felt very restrictive, um, it just brings all of that feeling back up and you want to obviously get away from that feeling. And so cravings come on, you start eating more food and it's a tough battle to be able to, to get through and fight through. And really, like in my opinion, the further and further I get into this coaching process and the more and more women that I work with. And as social media has been around for the fitness side of social media has been around now for 10, 12, almost 14 years, essentially. And like, we've learned about macros and dieting and calories and calorie deficits and surpluses. And the general population has learned a lot about this as well. And where we specifically work mainly with, with females, Alex only works with women inside of um, our coaching. And when men come in, I, I usually work with them as well as with a lot of the ladies as well. But like what I found is that it's done, done harm in some ways in regards to like this diet culture that's out there, especially for women, in my opinion, are the ones who have suffered from it the most. And I, I may have talked about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I know I'm, I've mentioned it in a couple of Instagram posts lately, cause it's been on my mind and relevant, but like, there's been this idea of fitness and, and especially for ladies, like this sole focus of like being as small as possible, always being low in calories to stay as small as possible. Right. And there's kind of been a shift in the last while that I'd really like to see, especially from, um, like a lot of, popular women coaches inside of the space as well, like talking about fitness as a whole and nutrition as a whole to fuel yourself, that looking at it as more of like what you're doing to be healthy overall for yourself and not like so focused on either the scale or just being the smallest version of yourself. Because being the smallest version of yourself does not mean that you're going to be your healthiest version, your most confident version, um, your most energized, your most strong, like your most mentally clear person. Right. And so finding that balance, like if you have a goal to lose weight, nothing wrong with that. If you have some weight that you want to be able to lose, I'm not saying that that shouldn't be your goal, but I'm just saying like, that can't be your only goal and your only ticket to success that you deem, um, valid in your fitness. Right. And like, so at this point, like that's kind of been the culture for a long time. And so that's what, what a lot of women have unfortunately bought into. And so like, it's starting to kind of come out of that at this point, I feel like, and, and women are open to building more lean muscle definition on their frames, eating more food, like building their body as opposed to always just depleting their body to be as small as possible. But a lot of those, 
those people have like these, I don't know if it's extreme enough to call it traumas, but it kind of is in, in my opinion of like these bad experiences in the past of dieting for so long and trying to be so small. And then when you take them through a build and like they're in a good position, hormonally, metabolically, physically, you put them back in the deficit and all of that, those old mental wounds can kind of come back up. You know what I mean? It's like, oh no, like I'm back in the situation that I was in. Um, and in my opinion, like to work through that, you've got to go like breaking things down in shorter phases. So like, if you want to be able to lose body fat, but you're dealing with some of these, these mental issues going down and feeling restricted and craving and binges and whatnot, like breaking those deficits into very short term spans to begin, I found to be very, very effective. So maybe it's like, okay, well, we're just going to diet. We're not going to take you down to 1200 calories. We're just gonna put you in a moderate deficit. 400 to 600 calories below your maintenance aim for around like a pound of weight loss per week on average throughout that or 1% of your body weight per week on average, roughly. And then from there, like we're going to do this for two weeks or we're only going to do this for four weeks. And then after that four weeks, we're going to break it back up at maintenance. So you have that short end light at the end of the tunnel to kind of get your feet wet, get in there, focus on like being consistent, being able to sacrifice a little bit and stay on point with what you're doing, but know it's just for the short term and you're going to come back up. And so doing that a few times allows you to create some progress quick, but then you can focus on maintaining that and increasing calories to not feel like you're so restricted for such a long time frame to be able to recover and then go back into that process and rinse and repeat over the long term. I found to be a very useful tool for people in that particular situation to be able to kind of break that and get out of their mind or that overly restricted mentality, if that makes sense. It's funny you bring that up because I actually just had someone bring that like that very thing up just last week. Did you? So she basically took a break, spent just a whole entire year at maintenance just due to previous distorted kind of eating patterns, not the healthiest relationship like with her body, with mind, with food. And by no means do I take the place of like an actual like therapist, but I can do what I can in terms of like lifestyle kind of nutrition training to kind of just help support, you know, whatever they're doing. But let's just say it's been quite a bit since she's been in an actual deficit. And so her whole entire, her whole entire idea of a deficit is basically, this is what led me to where I am today. This is what's led me to feeling the way I do about like food and, you know, kind of about all these things. Like, how do I know that this time around is not going to lead me to that very same thing? And so in her check-in, she actually mentioned, I need to work on overcoming my fear of failure, particularly when it comes to this program. I'm worried that I will not be able to do the quote unquote cut portion And so my advice to her was just prove it to yourself that you physically can. And like, how do you prove it to yourself? You start off with simple, small steps. And I actually did like exactly what you just said. I said, let's start with just two, like two, three weeks. Just go in and show yourself that you can come into this with a balanced mindset. Show yourself that you can still train hard even when in a deficit, you know, show yourself that like you can go and take daily weigh-ins and not have it like make or break things. Cause you understand how this is like one piece of a much bigger puzzle, you know, it's one piece of the data and like just kind of 
just like a muscle that you train in the gym. Like, you know, you do your bicep curls, biceps get bigger. That same kind of thing with that, like the fear of failure. All you need to do is kind of move enough coins of proof, if you want to call it that, over to the side of like, like, hey, this, this is proof that I can do this. Okay, I'm going to do one more thing. Here's another layer of proof. And it just starts with like, okay, I'm going to commit to one week. Okay, I did one week. Let's go to week two. And sometimes it's three weeks, four weeks, you know, whatever you kind of want it to be. But the whole idea is like we're starting with small steps, incremental wins, and that's going to serve for future proof that like, hey, I can do this. And we don't know, you know, if we're going to go into like, a, you know, four weeks on, one week off or, you know, two weeks on, two weeks off, whatever. Like that's a live example of like exactly what you said. Yeah, I've been doing the exact same thing. So I'm happy, happy to hear that. Honestly, I think like as a take home message from this whole episode, we didn't exactly plan to take all of our time just chatting about this, but like a good title for this is dealing with hunger and cravings and a deficit, right? Like the first thing I think you have to understand is there can be a multitude of things going on. Just like Alex mentioned with that first lady that we have inside of our group coaching, she has actual hormonal issues that it sounds like are, are taking place that are um, making her, her situation much more difficult. And so like, you have to be able to get that kind of stuff looked at, right? You have to be able to come up with game plans. And if like you're working with a doctor or you're working with a functional health coach like Alex to be able to come up with strategies and lifestyle changes and, and habits and, and whatnot that you can implement to be able to make that easier for yourself. Two, it could just be that you haven't been at maintenance for a long enough period of time, first and foremost, to be able to get yourself in a position to where hormones are regulated, metabolism is regulated, like your leptin and ghrelin, which control your, your satiety from your stomach to your brain and your brain to your stomach. Like, Make sure that those are all in a really good place. And once you spend enough time at maintenance, that stuff will be in a good place to where you can go into a deficit. You're not going to deal with as much hunger up front. Um, and then number three, it could just be um, mental wounds, trauma wounds from the past, from what I mentioned, from getting sucked into diet culture for all of those years and being stuck and always have to be small and depriving yourself for so long. And if you've come out of that, great. And you've been eating a little bit more and you're in a good position and you're ready to actually take on a, um, a more structured cut or a more responsible cut where you're not going so low in calories, but you try to go into that responsible cut and all those mental wounds come back. Well, you've got to find ways to be able to treat that and work through that with simple strategies of smaller deficits and, and, um, smaller timeframes in regards to how long you're going to diet and help yourself work through that and prove to yourself that you can be balanced and still do this over the long term. So there's a lot of different avenues that you kind of have to look at if you're somebody who struggles in regards to being able to be consistent due to going into a deficit. And so I think that this is a super useful episode and you can figure out like which of those three areas is it? like one more that I would add on to that is just well, not necessarily. I'm I'm thinking more now into like lack of consistency in a deficit, not just because of like. I'll, I'll add one hungry. for you. Yeah, go ahead. I don't think we mentioned. I mean, we did earlier, but I don't think we mentioned here at the very end. Like thing number four would be sometimes it's just really crappy eating patterns. Yeah, just picking at food, snacking through the day, or just like crap lifestyle patterns. Yeah. Sleeping four hours a night, overtraining doing high intensity interval training, like high intensity interval training, sleeping four hours a night, crappy you're eating screwed. patterns, you're going to be hungry. Like, yeah. you know, so you're sometimes screwed. it can be that as well. But 
And then five, I'll just add to that one more quick. Five is just a lack of structure. Like if you're struggling with consistency, like maybe you do have a little bit of hunger, but more than that, it's just a lack of structure. Are you actually going to the grocery store at the first of the week to have enough food, like proper foods in your house to be able to eat each day? So like you don't go into the pantry or the fridge and it's like, well, shit, what am I going to eat? Like I don't have anything that really makes sense. So I'll just eat this. So like that lack of structure and, and, and like, are you eating roughly at the same times each day? um, to allow your, your hormones to adapt to that. And like what they, what your body can kind of expect on a, on a day-to-day basis. Are you eating at random times throughout the day? Are you eating generally the same types of meals each day? Are you eating enough protein in your meals to help keep you satiated? Is your fat content high enough to help keep you satiated and your hormones balanced? Like there's so many things that go into it, but, um, for, for you as the listener, I think it comes down to like, okay, which of these avenues is my issue. And then once you identify which of these people you are and which problems that you're potentially having with this, then you can come up with a strategy in order to be able to overcome it. But if so many people just get caught in like never being consistent, not knowing what the true underlying issues to their consistency are, and they just end up chalking it up to, well, I'm just old or I'm a woman or like my hormones are just out of whack. When you don't actually have that clear data and you haven't taken the time to like figure out what your avenue is in regards to your issues so that you can actually attack those issues head on, depending upon your lane that you need to be going through essentially. So I hope that this um, is helpful for you guys. I think it's good for Alex and I as well, just to be able to have conversation about this with each other and bounce ideas with what we're doing with particular clients in particular situations too. So um, yeah, do you have any closing remarks? No, um, I think kind of the only thing just kind of to add on to what you said there at the very end was, you know, don't let it be one of those things that kind of you beat yourself up about, but also don't let it be one of those things where if you're struggling with the consistency aspect, sometimes it's not a matter of just you're not pushing hard enough because sometimes pushing too hard, like if you've been struggling, struggling at 1500 going to 1200 probably isn't going to make you any more consistent. So it's like it consistency ain't the first, yeah. consistency first, and then you can worry about like, okay, where do I want to move the calories to? Don't get too ahead of yourself and think that like, well, eating less is going, going to magically fix my consistency problems. So I think that's it. Agreed. I appreciate you being here, man, taking some time to to have a conversation every single week. I think it's useful, super helpful for for the listeners. And hopefully you guys are finding value in in these conversations that we're having. And so if you have any questions or if anything comes up for you in particular that you're maybe wondering about or not sure on, as always, there's a link down below, lostlifting.com backslash podcast. Click on that, scroll to the bottom. There's a question box there. Um, put your email, your name in, ask me whatever questions that you have, and I'll get back to you guys personally clarifying and on anything, and then potentially bring those questions onto the podcast. If I feel like it will help a wide array, um, of the listeners. And so Alex's information is down below. Make sure to, to go follow him at, um, on his IG, on his socials so that you can put a face to the voice. And with that, we appreciate y'all for listening and we'll chat with you very soon.